recognizes a community, the church, based upon the answer to two basic questions. The first one is, what do you believe? Who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Professor of mine, Dr. Richard Spencer, in a class, introduction to a class that I had with him, along with uh, multiple other students, said in that first day of class, I used to think that the most important question that I needed to seek the answer to was, who is God? What is God? He said, I've come to understand that the most important question is not who is God, but who is Jesus. How we answer that question, he said, makes all the difference in our lives, and it will make all the difference in your ministry. What do you believe, Jesus asked? Who do you say that I am? What is your affirmation? And the second question by extension, if that is what you believe, what will you do? Jesus, in response to Peter's response, says, you're the church. If that's your answer, that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, if that's your answer, then this is what you must do. What will you do? Jesus is more than a philosopher and a great teacher. The claim that we make in the church is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And how we live that out makes all the difference, that affirmation of faith. Typically, the church that Jesus calls into into being, that Jesus did call into being, that Jesus established the body of Christ. Typically, as, as uh, things have evolved, and as we measure things today, the three measures that are typically used to judge success in the church are not our affirmation, but the ABCs, what I call the ABCs. The first is attendance. A, attendance. How many people come? How many people are present? The second measure that we typically use, B, is building. Are we building something or are we taking care of the building we already have? And how much money and how much time and how much effort is committed to taking care of the building? The third measurement that churches use, C, is cash. Is there enough cash being generated, uh, oftentimes, to take care of the building? Those are the three measures that most typically churches will use to define whether they are successful. And based on those measurements, here are three reasons why Jesus, using those measurements, was a failure. Number one, he only had a handful of followers. 
12 followers, and we know that a number of women were also amongst his disciples. They're named in the Bible for, uh, for us. He had a handful of uh, followers, and the crowds who gathered to hear him often accused him of being unstable. He's lost his mind. A heretic, the Pharisees said that he's from the devil, or and or a troublemaker. When he back, went back to his own, own hometown, it's described in uh, all the synoptics, but in the sixth chapter of Mark, when he goes, Jesus goes back to his hometown, first six verses, he gets there and he begins to preach and he begins to, to talk to the people in the, uh, in the hometown where he grew up. And here's what his hometown concluded about who Jesus is. Here's the kind of things they said. Who does he think he is? Why in the world is he saying this to us? We know who he is. That's Joseph's boy. He's a carpenter. That's Mary's son. We know who he is. How dare he speak to us when we already know who he is? How can he possibly presume to tell us anything. He only had a handful of people who were trying to make sense of who Jesus is, trying to answer that question, trying to make the affirmation that Peter made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not, just, you're not a great teacher. Well, you are a great teacher, but that's not all you are. You have some interesting things to say philosophically, but that's not all you are as a philosopher. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The second reason Jesus was a failure, he didn't have a building. He didn't have a temple. In fact, the, the thing that he said about the temple when he finally got to Jerusalem is that it was going to be destroyed. Or that's how it was interpreted by the Pharisees. Matthew 8, verse 20, Jesus says, Uh, to people who want to follow him. Well, you need to know this. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So if you come with me, we're not going to have any building to stay. If you come with me, you better enjoy camping out. There's no building. He didn't have a building. Didn't seem concerned about wanting a building. And the third reason, he was particularly not concerned with money, except to say that devotion to it was a terrible and destructive way to live your life. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, in verse 24, he says, You can't serve two masters. You can't worship God and money. You'll either come to love one and hate the other, but you can't serve both. So by the three measurements that many churches, most churches, determine whether they're doing well, whether they're being faithful, the ABCs, attendance, building, and cash, Jesus, if we read the story in a way that I think uh, it needs to be read, uh, didn't conform didn't measure up to any of those 
any of those standards. It was a different measurement. The measurement uh, that was used, our lives being transformed by the body of Christ. If we say that Jesus is the Son of God, if we say we know who He is, then what does that lead us to do? Our lives being transformed. In the first chapter of Acts, Jesus says to His disciples, Go and be My witnesses. Go and make a difference in the world. Go and make a difference in your own community. Don't be so overwhelmed by the the larger events in the world and most of us, if we're following the news at all, you know, would, would, would probably want to throw our hands up and say, well, it's hopeless. There's no hope. We have things like uh, what happened in Ferguson, Missouri. There's war in Syria. There's war in Israel and Palestine. There's war in the Ukraine. You know, pick your poison. There's violence everywhere. Challenges everywhere. If we look at that, we just throw up our hands and say, there's no hope. But Jesus says, go and make a difference where you are. Take steps. Move where you are. Make your community a better place. Be light. That's where you start. When the disciples went out after the resurrection... When the disciples went out, they, they, didn't, they went uh, to the immediate area that they were in. And they just kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going. And they trusted that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God would use that. That their witness would make a difference. Jesus said, go. If this is who you think I am, if this is what you say you believe, then go. Make a difference in my name. Witness. Our lives are being transformed. Is the community being transformed as a result of our ministry? If First Christian Church was not uh, here anymore, we disappeared, we closed our doors, if we left, would we be missed? Would anybody notice? Would anybody care? Is the community being transformed by our witness? by our presence as the body of Christ in this community? Are we making a difference? Would we be missed if we were gone? I can say, answer that question, yes, we would be missed and greatly missed. Are people being equipped for mission? 2 Timothy 3rd chapter, verse 16. Paul says to the church, You're being equipped as part of the body of Christ. You're being equipped to be my witness, to be the church's witness, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Equip yourselves. Be prepared. Learn. Take time to read and and, uh, involve yourself in Scripture. Make that commitment. Part of the church's purpose is to equip you to go out from this place. Not to insulate you and, and have you gather here in the sanctuary and it be our sanctuary. We're protected. We're sheltered. 
the purpose of the church is to equip the saints, equip believers so that they can go out and make a difference. So that they can be a light to the world. Well, three reasons then Jesus was a success based on those, those measurements. His followers were transformed, are transformed, and devoted themselves to proclaiming good news about God's realm. That in every place they went and everything that they did, they looked at Jesus' life and they proclaimed uh, good news to other people. The second thing, uh, measuring by that, the reason Jesus was a success is that communities that he went to were transformed. That didn't happen overnight, but over time. So if you remember the story of when Jesus and Matthew, when Jesus goes to Gerizim and he, he's met by a madman, crazy guy, possessed by demons is what the Bible says, but cer- certainly somebody that was clearly, clearly disturbed, greatly disturbed. People were afraid of him. And Jesus goes to, to this, this person and, and he uh, heals him, he cleanses him, he restores him. And the first thing the guy says is, I want to follow you. I want to go with you. And Jesus says to this guy, of all things, Jesus says, no, no. Stay where you are. You can make a bigger difference here. And the day will come where it will be important for you to be here. And that you will, you will know of the greater importance of you being here and telling about the kingdom of God and telling about God's son. And, and the guy didn't wait for, for that day. He went immediately and started telling uh, people what had happened, who had healed him. And then in the power of Jesus' resurrection, uh, the witness to places like Gerizim became even more powerful because of men like this guy who was healed and women like Mary, Magdalene, who, who went and shared their faith. But see... You, you and I, uh, most of the time, aren't patient enough to wait to see what will happen over time. We live in, in, a, in a place, in a culture that wants instant gratification. So if you go through a drive through window at a fast food restaurant, and you drive up to that window, you want your food fast, and you want your order to be right. You want it to be exactly what you ordered. And, and uh, all, uh, more often than, than I would care to uh, you know, experience, and, and unfortunately do experience, uh, you know, the order uh, is not right. And, uh, and many times it's not very fast getting to me. And that becomes very frustrating. Because that's what I want. I want it now, and I want it to be right now, and I want it to be right when I get it right now. And where our prayer life, uh, our relationship with God, uh, we tend to live out the same way. We put our order in, our prayers, we make our order, we make our request, and we want the answer now, 
And we want the answer to be right, accurate. We want it to be the answer we want. Not what God may be trying to reveal to us or show us. We want the answer, we want the right answer, the answer that we've already determined is right, and we want it right now. We don't have any sense of overtime and we forget Isaiah's words to us. Blessed are they who wait upon the Lord. Blessed are they who wait. They're the ones who will run and not grow weary. They're the ones who will mount up with wings like eagles and fly. Communities were transformed by the church. That didn't happen overnight, but over time. Through consistent, persistent, faithful effort. His followers, third reason Jesus was a success, his followers were equipped by what Jesus taught, by the work Jesus did, and by the example of the life of devotion Jesus lived. So if you're not reading the scripture, if you're not reading about Jesus' life, if you're not reading about the things that Jesus teaches in the Gospels, if you're not reading about the things that he did, if you don't understand that Jesus talked to and healed and was involved with every kind of wrong person you could possibly be involved with during his time. He talked to Samaritans. Not supposed to do that. Wrong racial group. Not supposed to associate with them. He healed uh, untouchables, lepers. You're not supposed to associate with them. He had discourse. He taught women. Not supposed to do that. If you actually read about what Jesus did, and you take that seriously, it should challenge you in terms of the way we look at people today. You know, one of the interesting stories, the very first thing, or one of the very first things that we're told in the book of Acts, around the 5th, 6th chapter, uh, Philip encounters... Philip, one of the disciples, encounters a eunuch, somebody who's sexually questionable, encounters a a eunuch. Philip has dialogue with that person, and and the eunuch says, well, good night. Why can't I be baptized? Probably a a response, a question that Philip uh, wasn't expecting. And I suspect at that time, I mean, uh, Philip probably scratched his head, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I've made that affirmation. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? If I believe this, what do I do? He baptized the eunuch. His followers were equipped by what Jesus taught, by the work Jesus did, and by the example of the life of devotion that Jesus lived. How do the challenge, how do you measure your life, transform part of your life. And what we do is not as important as who we are. Everything that, that we say we are as followers, as believers in Jesus, as the Son of the living God, should inform everything else that we do. Uh, is our church a missional fellowship? Are we more concerned about what goes on outside the 
our doors and how we can make a difference in this community and beyond? Are we concerned with self-preservation? You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, the tighter you hold on to something, the more, the more likely, in fact, exactly, the harder you try to hold on to something, you'll lose it. Go right through your hands. You really uh, love something, you really want to do something, let go of it. Let God work. Well, being equipped, uh, being ready for ministry, living out what you say you believe. Well, you, uh, one of the things I learned uh, when I was younger and uh, had to cook, start cooking for myself. I'd left, you know, my mom was not doing that for me anymore. In fact, my mom didn't want to do that for me anymore. And uh, I left, but throwing spaghetti, I found out. Sp- throwing spaghetti, spaghetti against the wall is one way to find out if the spaghetti is ready, if it's cooked, because if it sticks, it means it's done. And, uh, and so uh, I, learned, I learned how to do that. I could have set the timer on the stove or somewhere in my watch, but it's a lot more fun to throw the spaghetti against the wall. But it also wastes a lot of spaghetti. Preparing, being equipped, doesn't mean that there, there won't be challenges in that, trials, things that we will have to go through in order to learn, in order to be equipped to be Christ's disciples. It doesn't mean that there won't be trials, but it does if we're faithful to who we say we are and then faithful to what we believe we are supposed to do. It doesn't mean there won't be trials, but it does reduce the likelihood that there will be errors. God will use us and walk with us and do more through us and in us than we can possibly see or imagine. God calls us to live out, to live out the affirmation that we make through the actions, through, through what we do in this life. I'll close with, uh, we started with a prayer for St. Francis and our pastoral prayer. I'll close with, with these words that were attributed to St. Francis. Preach a sermon every day and use words if you must. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be the church, to be your witnesses in this world, to be the the rock upon which you build and continue to build your kingdom. God, help us to be faithful to that above all else. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.